Thank you for stopping by our online messages. At WCC, we are in a year of development, and today Pastor Scott is in the book of Acts, chapter 11. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you. Good to be with you today. I asked this question last week, and I want to start with it today. Are you here to hear? Are you here to hear? If you are, repeat after me, I'm here to hear. Okay, that sounds good. That's like critical mass. We'll go with that. All right. Uh, and, and that is really my prayer because I'm asking God to give us wisdom. And I need him to give us wisdom as you hear some things today from me, as you read some things today, that we're going to need wisdom. And so uh, you have to be ready to hear from him today. I want to start with this idea, this question uh, uh, or not a question, this idea that we live in an instant society. Would you agree with that? We live in an instant society that when we want something, we just kind of expect it now. I mean, we want football scores. I'd kind of like to know how my Seahawks are doing it now. And if I wanted to, and please don't do this right now, but we could find that out right now. No, don't do it. Don't tell me. I know you want to know. But we could do that right now. And sometimes you order uh, things online, Amazon Prime, because you want it when? Now. And certain things we want food, we could have it delivered to us because we want it now. And whatever it is, we can have it now. And frankly, you maybe came into church today saying, if I come to church with my problems, hopefully God will give me the answer when? Now, because that's when we want things. We want things now. When we send out texts, we expect you to respond to them when? Now. When we send an email, we want the reply when? Now. Okay, you get that. We're in this instant society. I was thinking about this. I thought my dad, he had a hobby, uh, and it was taking pictures. He had a great eye for pictures, but he had this hobby, and he loved to take pictures. And here's how he did it, and especially you kids who don't understand this. This is going to be new to you, and this might blow your mind. For some of you, you'll resonate with this. But my dad, when he wanted to take a picture, he'd have to go to the store and buy some film. He'd then go home and put it in his camera. Then he would take pictures, but he would have to take all the pictures, usually 24 or 36 of them, and and he'd have to take them all. When he got rid of them, or when he took them all, he'd take that back to the store and say, please develop this. Then he would wait for sometimes a week, and the store would say, you can come back. And so he'd go back to the store where he would get his pictures a week later. Kids, you're like, this is ridiculous for a picture. Yeah, for a picture. He'd bring them home and then see if they turned out. Sometimes he'd say, oh, man, Scott, your finger was in front of the lens when you took the picture. This is why I don't let you take pictures. It was a waste of money. Sometimes, and it took, sometimes he'd look back and go, oh, yeah, I took that picture back in March. I forgot about that one. My son has the same eye that my dad had. He takes pictures, but he does it different on his iPhone. All right? He takes the picture now. He edits it now, and he posts it to Instagram now. It's just a totally different world. And we kind of expect all of our problems in life to be instant, like the pictures we take now. But that's not how God works, is he? God usually takes time in his working. God likes wait time. 
I want you to hear this today, that God likes wait time. And God's working in your life. We're talking about a year of development. Some of you think a year, that's a long time. This church has actually been developing in one sense for over 150 years. God likes wait time. God uses wait time. And I want you to hear this today, that God uses long periods of time to develop your faith. And God uses long periods of time to grow your spiritual development. You're sitting there saying, I want it done now. God says, I want to take some time on this one. Because in time, there will be great beauty. And so God often takes much longer than we would want. In fact, he develops his people and his plans, and it's often years in the making. I'd like you to consider that phrase with me today, years in the making. That you are years in the making. God's plans are years in the making. I'm not sure how you think about that when you hear that. Living in an instant society, you might think, I don't like that idea. But God is going to work in you, and he's going to work through you, and it's going to often involve time. And today we're going to see this, and I want to encourage you with God's word today. We're starting this year of ministry. School is launching up. We talked about mornings for moms and Bible studies and financial peace and community groups. All these things are starting, and this is part of our year of development. Our leadership said we want to focus on development this year, and we understand that it's going to be a process. And I know that God wants to develop every single one of us as disciples of Jesus. You can just go ahead and point to yourself today. Right here, do this and say, God wants to develop me. Let me hear you say it. God wants to develop me. He wants to develop you as a disciple of Jesus because catch this, he wants to grow you into a disciple maker. And a more healthy disciple that you are, the healthier you can make disciples of others. And so we're going to talk about this process. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Grab this Bible in front of you if you don't have one with you. We're going to be on page 919, Acts chapter 11. If you don't have your own Bible, go ahead and take this one as a gift. Put your name in it. Read through it with us. We're going to see that God is developing his plan of salvation for all people. That includes everyone in this room. God has a plan to save even us. Now, in previous episodes, where as we've been going through this book of Acts, we see that Jesus Christ, he's been raised from the dead after he paid for our sins on the cross. He's done that. He's appeared to 500 people over a period of 40 days, and he's about ready to be ascended. And we see this at the beginning of the book of Acts. And he gets his closest followers, and he says, I'm leaving you, but I'm leaving you my spirit. In fact, everybody who believes in me, I'm going to give you my spirit, and this will empower you, and this is a gift so that you will have me wherever you go. And this is what we've been reading in the previous chapters. The 12 followers all of a sudden become thousands of world changers. Because of this, persecution breaks out against the Jesus followers, Started in Jerusalem, they said, we don't like this message of Jesus. And people are actually being killed for following Jesus. 
But the good news is spreading, and it's spreading to all ethnic groups, and that's good for us because I don't know how many Jewish people we have in this room. I'm not one of them, but this good news spreads to ordinary people, non-Jewish people like me. Now, when we get to Acts chapter 11 today, this is roughly 12 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we lose track of time when we consider chapters, but this is about 12 years after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And what God was doing is he's developing his redemptive plan through ordinary people like you and me. He's developing his redemptive plan through ordinary people like us. Now, real quickly, let me take you to Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And it said this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. The Jesus followers as a whole were being built up individually and a group. They were being developed. God was doing this work and walking in the fear of the Lord, having a reverence for God, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The idea is if the plant is healthy, it will multiply and be fruitful. If the disciple is healthy and grows up, it will multiply and be fruitful. And when the disciple is unhealthy, it has a hard time multiplying. But God was building up this church. And in this story, you'll see today that God is faithfully working. I want you to know this, that God is faithfully working in you today. He's faithfully working in me today. And I'm confident that as we see this story, you'll see yourself in this story. You'll see yourself in this. So the life-changing message, let me give you a little context where we're at. The life-changing message of Jesus was spreading from Jerusalem to the third largest city in the Roman Empire named Antioch. It's about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Let's look at the map here. Everything's starting down here in Jerusalem. 300 miles north, Antioch, this great large city in the Roman Empire. Alexandria is one of the great cities. Rome, of course, is one. But the good news of Jesus is going to Antioch. And this is where we pick up the story. And the news of Jesus it was spreading to this non-Jewish city, massive city, a lot of ethnic groups there. <clears throat> and, the news, and the news of Jesus is going there. The news gets back to Jerusalem that the people in Antioch are believing in Jesus. And the mothership in Jerusalem says, uh, we need to check this out. We need to make sure this is good. We need to make sure this is right. And so they send a man named Barnabas up to Antioch to check this out. So follow along with me, if you would. Chapter 11, verse 19. <clears throat> now it says, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, that's chapter 7, if you want to go back and read it, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, this large city, speaking the word to no one except Jews. That's how it started. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. Let me show you where this is. Men from Cyprus, this island, are going to Antioch. Jesus followers from northern Africa are going up to Antioch. They're saying, we've got to tell these people about Jesus. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. 
And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Barnabas gets there and goes, you guys, this is good. Yes, Jesus is the one. You're believing in him. You're turning to him. You're finding forgiveness of sins and purpose and eternal life. Keep up the good work. This is what Barnabas says. Verse 24. For Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And it says, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Verse 25, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Let me stop there for a moment. As I was reading that this week, I thought, okay, wait a second. I think I want to talk about two points real quickly. The first one is this. It says that the message, they believed in this and they turned to the Lord. Verse 20, 21 there. They believed and turned to the Lord. This is the same message to us. This is the same message 2,000 years later, that if you would believe in Jesus Christ, if you would turn your life over to him because he made you, and you will stand before him one day for a judgment, if you believe in him and turn your life over to him now, you'll find forgiveness of all your past sins and all your current sins and all your future sins, and you will find purpose in this life, and you'll have an eternal hope. I thought, okay, we all need to hear this. Some of us have believed this. The people that were on the stage with me, they say, I've believed. I've turned to the Lord. I don't know where all of you are at, but this is the message that you are called to believe and receive this grace from God, and your sins will be wiped out. That God will include you into his family. That he gives you a gift of his very own spirit to empower you, involves you with great hope, and purpose. This isn't about trying to be good. Some of you think that. This isn't religion where we're just trying to be good and hopefully I'm better than most. That's not it. I even thought that as a young kid at times. I thought, you know what Christianity is? It's just a rules that my parents set up so I can't have any fun. All right? Sometimes we thought that as kids. But those of us who are adults, we know this, that when we tried our own way, when we tried our selfish way, it was a dead end. Can I get an amen to that? And so turning our life over to Jesus is not to prevent you from having fun, actually to prevent you from massive destruction so that you can find hope and purpose in life. I thought, man, I could go on and preach that for a while, but I won't. Number two, this is what I noticed in that passage up there, that Barnabas saw the need for help. He leaves up from Jerusalem. He goes up there and sees this large city, sees this growing group of Jesus followers, and he says, I need help. I've got to develop, help develop this church because they don't know a whole lot and I want to make sure they know some things and I want to make sure they don't mess this up too much. This is the idea of our year of development. Our leadership said this, what we need to do is we need to become healthy followers of Jesus. We need to develop our systems. We need to develop our structures so that organizationally we become healthy. Individually we become healthy so that we can develop healthy disciples as we partner with God. You were given last week a booklet. Some of you still have that with you. Some of you received this as you came in today, this year of development because we're disciples making disciples. And I would encourage you to look through this and do more than go, okay, that's cool. This church does a lot of nice things. 
But I want you to know that this was developed by us because we said these are some of the systems we have to make disciples, and we need to develop them. Here's what I want you to look at when you consider the many things that this church does. I want you to consume this year, all right? I want you to consume. I want you to take in. I was making a list of how many of these ministries I consume from for my own development. I came up with seven that specifically bless me. Not my kids, not my wife, just specifically bless me. I said seven of these I drink from. I need, I consume from this. But it doesn't end there. I want you to look through this and say, now where can I contribute because God has called me to be more than a consumer here, but to be a contributor. And I made a list and said, okay, there are some of these ministries that I contribute as well. And I hope that you'd look through that and say, okay, I need to consume this year as part of my development, but I need to contribute in part of my development. And this is why I'm asking God to give you the wisdom on where that is. Here's what I know. We have time. We have energy. We have passions. We have experiences and God says, continue to consume and grow, but use those experiences that God has given you to contribute. Use your passions to contribute. We had a lady named Diana Cruz. She's leading our visitation ministry. She met with our elders this week, and she says, I have a gift and a passion for mercy. And so I lead a visitation ministry, and I have this team, and we go and visit people who in this church can't show up here on Sunday mornings for one reason or another. She says, but this ministry needs to be developed. I need some help. But I'm passionate about this. I'm gifted in this. See, some of you are gifted in mercy. You need to be writing on your connection card and say, you know what? I'm gifted in mercy or hospitality. I, I'd love to cook meals. I'd love to open up my home. I'd love to teach. I'd love to... You figure this out. Be a consumer and be a contributor for the development of God's church. This was happening in the church in Acts. Back to verse 25. Got to be careful. That, that could have been a sermon too. Verse 25. So Barnabas, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. And for a whole year like a year of development, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I stopped there and I thought, wait a second. Was this the best choice for Barnabas? He goes to Antioch. He needs somebody. He needs a right-hand man. He needs somebody to work with. And I thought, is Saul the best choice? Because if you go back two chapters ago, Paul was going from Jerusalem up to Damascus because Saul heard, Saul, Paul, he's the same guy. So as he's leaving from Jerusalem to go to Damascus, he's, he, he hears that there's Jesus followers there. And he says, I want to arrest them. I want to take them back down to Jerusalem because I'm totally against Jesus. That's what he says in chapter 9. He has an encounter with God, and God says, Saul, what you're doing is not good. I want to change your heart. I want to change your mission. I don't want you to arrest Jesus' followers. I want you to be one and develop them. That was just in chapter 9. Why is Barnabas getting that guy to be part of his team? I looked at that, and I thought, wait a second. Barnabas, could you be crazy by picking this guy who two chapters ago was trying to kill Jesus' followers. Doesn't seem like the right choice. Doesn't seem like a healthy choice. 
But God's development, and this is what I want you to hear, God's development of Saul, or Paul, was actually years in the making, not just two chapters. We look at that and say, I just read those two chapters within a few minutes. This was actually years in the making. You see on your notes the passage Galatians chapter 1. Do you see that? You can look up here, but Saul, who's later called Paul, he writes and he says, after I had this encounter with Jesus, after I was changed by the Lord, I was sent to Arabia for three years. I was like sent to a place of obscurity for three years. We don't have a whole lot of that record but what God was doing with him was developing him. God says, I just kind of want to put you in a holding place for a while. It's going to be years in the making. I've got great plans for you, Saul, but I'm going to put you over here in Arabia for three years. God was developing Paul. Because of threats then in Damascus and because of threats on his life in Jerusalem, Saul heads to his hometown of Tarsus grew up there, and he goes back there, and he hangs out there for eight years. Let me show you where that is on the map. Tarsus is up there, and Saul says, wait a second, I got, I got the Jews trying to kill me because I'm following Jesus now, and this isn't good, but God's changed me, and all of a sudden, he finds himself in Tarsus for eight years. We don't know a whole lot about that, but it's kind of like sitting on the bench, just sitting there. What's God doing in those years of development? What's God doing with him? Years. Years of deep spiritual development. Eleven years. Deep spiritual development. You see, the apostle Paul, this Saul, was years in the making, and it was a great choice for Barnabas. Yeah, we look at that and say it was two chapters, but it was much closer to 11 years where God was developing Saul. What was God doing with Saul? Let me share some thoughts. But consider this. Do you ever feel like you're stuck? I mean, God, I want to do great things for you, but I just feel like I'm on the bench. I feel like I'm not doing anything. You ever feel that way? Just feel like I'm in a miserable season. I'm in a miserable year or years of development. It might even be 11 of them. You might be saying, God, are we there yet? I was hoping I would be more developed than I am right now. You see, God is in the work of developing that which he dreamed and designed. God is in the work of developing that which he dreamed and designed. God had a dream for Saul. He said, I see that guy. He's, he's hurting the Jesus followers, but I have a dream for him. I have a design for him. He's going to do great things, and I'm going to develop him. And it's going to take time. It's going to take years for this guy. But I'm going to do this. It's often years in the making. I was reflecting on my own life this week as I was thinking about that. And if any of you were at Dallas High School with me in 1983, I had a freshman speech class. And the first speech I gave when I concluded that speech, the class erupted, including the teacher, in laughter. It was that bad. It was that bad. The speech I gave was just, it was a joke. If anybody would have seen me that day, they would have said, I'll tell you what, that guy has no future talking in front of people. Just stick him behind a computer or something, but he can't do it. That's how it was my freshman year of high school. My freshman year of college, I went to what's now Corbin University, 
And they gave all of us a Bible entrance exam to all incoming freshmen. After I took the test, I went to my dad, who was the professor of theology. He said, son, let's talk about your test score. I said, I didn't do very good, did I? He goes, that's an understatement. He said, out of all the freshmen, your score was the lowest. I don't know who was more embarrassed, me or him. I imagine my dad looked at me and said, this guy has no chance doing what I do and talking about how good God is and talking about his word. My dad tells me, told the story this, that my first year, I had no concern for this at a Christian college. I was just about baseball. That's all I was focusing on, not the Bible. The second year, I still wasn't focused on the Bible. I was then focused on babes, and that's when I found my wife. The third year, finally, I started getting a little interested in the Bible. I started learning some things. But my, one of my first years teaching at a Christian school, and I don't know how I got that job, but I was teaching at a Christian school, and a student comes up to me, a middle school student, says something about the golden rule. And I'm like, golden rule, show me where that is in the Bible. Because I'm pretty confident that's not in the Bible. And he says, well, I thought Jesus said that. I'm like, yeah, right, show me. And a middle schooler shows me, the teacher, that, yeah, in Luke chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus said, do to others as you want them to do to you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if God's looking at this, he's saying, oh, as a freshman in high school, he'll never speak publicly. As a freshman in college, he'll never talk about God because he doesn't know anything. Even as a first-year teacher, he doesn't know anything. In 2004, some of the elders came up to me and said, Scott, we have a need in this church. Would you like to be considered as our next pastor? And I'm thinking, wow, that's great. You're thinking of me? I said, no, thanks, because I don't think I'm ready. And they said, good, because we don't think you're ready either. But we just thought we'd ask, all right? A couple years later, 2008, they said, now do you think you're ready? Because we have another need. I said, well, I'm more ready than I was in 2004, and I'm certainly more ready than I was a freshman in college. God's been developing me. I, I, by his grace, I might be able to do that. That was 11 years ago today. He's been developing. Isn't he good to us to develop ordinary people like you and me? Can we just give God a hand? He did it for Saul. He's doing it in my life, and he's doing it in your life as well. You see, God will develop you and me. He'll do this. That which he's dreamed and designed, he says, I had a dream to save you, and I had a dream to include you and use you, and now I, I'm going to develop this till the day you die because I'm not done with you. I'm not done. So what do you do in those years, though, of development? What do you do? I want us to consider this, that God will develop me as I continually partner with him, as I seek to receive and extend his grace. Now, those of you who were here last week said, uh, you talked about this last week. I'll probably talk about this a lot this year because I think this is a key. This is a key for spiritual development that we have to continually receive in order to extend the grace of God. This is a process. This is years in the making to continually receive God's grace is central to our development. Let me give you some ideas to this. Let's say this. 
Let's say, don't raise your hand if this is you, but let's say you live with a bad listener, all right? All right? Okay, just, just kind of like, yeah. Don't even nod. You're going to frustrate the person sitting next to you. But some of you would say, I live with a bad listener, and it frustrates you to no end. But wait a second. What does God say about you? Would God can possibly say to you, I know you think you live with a bad listener, but in my opinion, I kind of think you're a bad listener. And how does God treat you? He says, I'm not going to zap you. I'm going to continue to show you love. I'm going to continue to show you grace. I'll continue to forgive your sins. So receive that grace and extend it to that person that you think is a bad listener. Or maybe for some of you, you say, think this, I live with undisciplined kids, all right? Or maybe you think your spouse is an undisciplined kid, all right? Again, don't raise your hand if you think that's you. Don't even elbow anybody. Just kind of take this in personally, all right? But what if God's saying, wait a second, you're so frustrated that they're undisciplined? I kind of think you're undisciplined. And I still show you unconditional love, and I continue to show you grace, and I continue to forgive you. And if I do that to you, would you receive that? And then would you extend that? Or for some of you, one last example. Some of you, you hate it when people aren't grateful. You, like, get offended if somebody doesn't say thank you. I've even heard that this week. Not in my home, not talking about you, honey. I heard that this week. Somebody didn't say thank you. And I was thinking, wait a second. What would God say to you? How often do we say thank you? Maybe God's saying, wait a second, instead of being so judgmental, why don't you understand that you're not that thankful to me? And how do I treat you? With grace and forgiveness and love and acceptance. You ready to receive that? Yeah. Then extend it. You see, this is a great way that God grows us. He's gracious to you and me. And you and I have to continually receive from God so that we can extend for God. In fact, in that booklet, I'd like you to consider the ways that you're receiving from God. And that's important first so that you can extend for God. If you try to extend first, you're going to get empty. You receive from God so that you can extend for God. In fact, consider this phrase with me, that God, through his grace, builds and develops my life. That God, through his grace, builds and develops my life. In fact, repeat after me, God, through his grace... Builds and develops my life. You see, God says, I'm going to continue to pour out grace to you. Keep receiving it. And as you receive it, I'm developing you so that you can extend it to others. Now, Paul, after 11 years, he's experienced a lot of grace development He understands, God's been so good to me. I actually took Jesus' followers, and I was putting them in prison. What a terrible man I am. But God has been so gracious to me. He's forgiven me. He's included me. Eleven years of grace development. And so when he goes to Antioch, he can teach about what? Grace of God. He can model what? The grace of God. Because I've been receiving it. For 11 years, 11 years in obscurity, but I've been receiving it so I can teach it now. I can model it to others. But before that year in Antioch, 
Paul had years of preparation, years of obscurity, years in Arabia, years in Tarsus. You might feel like you're in Tarsus. I'm just sitting here for 11 years. And God's saying, okay, then receive what I've got for you. It takes time. It takes waiting to see that I need the grace of God. It takes time and waiting to see that I need the grace of God. Repeat after me, I need the grace of God. Say that prayer over and over and over. Today, I need the grace of God. I have to be a recipient of that. I need that because I got my own problems. Now, this Saul, he'd been saying that for years. I need the grace of God. I'm receiving the grace of God. I'm in a place now where I can extend the grace of God. This Saul becomes the great Apostle Paul. And one of his most famous passages is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'd like you to write this passage down. Because it was most likely in these years in Tarsus... Eight years in Tarsus, he's there. Most likely there that he receives a thorn in the flesh. Years later, he writes about it and says this. So to keep me from being conceited, because Jesus' followers, we can become conceited. Can I get an amen? All right. So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient, is enough for you. For my power, Paul, is made perfect in weakness. Three times he said, Lord, take this problem from me. The Lord said, no. He says again, God, you've got to remove this problem from my life. We don't know how long he had to wait for an answer, but God said no. God, please remove this situation. It's killing me. God said no. Not going to do it. I've been good to you, and I will be good to you, and I'll continue to be good to you, and that's sufficient for now. I'm not going to remove that problem. You see, this grace that God had was showing Paul was to expose his weaknesses. To expose his weaknesses. I wonder what would have happened if Paul would have quit at that point. Because you and I can be quitters at times. I want to quit a bunch of things in life. I want to get to this point and say, God, you're not fixing it, so I quit. What would have happened if he would have quit? said, I quit church, I quit ministry, I just give up on life. What would have happened? He later writes to the church in Corinth and says this about that situation. Therefore, in light of all of that, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Here's what I know, for when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When I'm weak, I go to Jesus and he strengthens me. Listen to this development that has taken place. He says, now when people insult me, I understand that God's been so gracious to me, And it hurts when they insult me, but what it does is it leads me to Jesus. And when I call out to Jesus, he strengthens me. So bring on the insults. 
I think, oh, my land, I need development. Because when I get insulted, I want to hit you. All right? When I get insulted, I want to fight. Paul says, I actually, I'm actually developed enough in my life that when persecutions and calamities come, oh, it hurts. But that hurt drives me to Jesus. And when I go to Jesus, he strengthens me. And so I say, bring on the problems. I look at that and say, church, we've got some room for development. Can I get an amen? Because I don't want the insults. I don't want the hardships. I like actually running from them. But God says, wait a second. Those are actually grace too. Because they expose your weakness. And when you're weak, then you go to Jesus. And when you go to Jesus, you understand that that's where he strengthens you. Wow. Oh. You're a developed man. I get that. I get that. So after years of development, one day Barnabas comes knocking on the door and says, Paul, bro, we got to get to Antioch. And Paul says, I'm ready. I've been developed. I've understood pain and heartache. I've had people trying to kill me, but I understand that God has been so good to me to forgive me and include me and love me. I'm ready to go. Let's go. I look at this and go, Barnabas, this was the best possible choice you could have. And they go to Antioch. And after one year of productive and preparatory work, we'll call it a year of development, that leads to Paul going on three great missions trips to Europe to spread the gospel of the grace of God. He calls this later in Acts chapter 20. He says it's the good news, the gospel about the grace of God. This is so good that God would be gracious to you. You don't deserve it, but he gives it to you anyways. So he says, I'm going to go and spend the rest of my life just telling people what I have received the gospel, the good news about the grace of God. You see, for Paul, it was years in the making. Years in the making to understand this glorious grace that is found in Jesus. A grace that's greater than all of my sin. Paul knew this. I was saved in a moment, and yes, we were, but I was developed in years. It was years in the making. Years in the making. But Paul gets to a point where he says this. He says, now I, I've just got to talk about the good news, the gospel of the grace of God. I want to finish today by just telling you some fantastic facets of the good news, the gospel of the grace of God. I've left some passages there so that you can look at this. This is grace. This is all good news. This is something you couldn't earn. It's something you don't deserve. But this is what God gives to you. Write some of these things down because you and I, will develop into all that God has dreamed and desired for us as we understand and apply the gospel of the grace of God. As we understand this, you don't just, you receive it instantly, but it takes a lifetime to understand it. It takes a lifetime to apply this. But God's going to develop us as we understand it, as we apply it. Let me share these with you quickly. One, in Christ I'm forgiven. In Christ I'm forgiven. You didn't deserve this. You, you, couldn't, uh, you couldn't work for this. That's a gift. 
This was our greatest need, that our sins would be paid for so that we could be with God forever, so that we could go to bed at night knowing that I'm at peace with God. My sins, have been, this was our greatest need. Let me give you another one. In Christ, I'm included. If forgiveness was our greatest need, inclusion was our greatest desire. We've wanted this since we were little kids. We just wanted to fit into the cool crowd. We wanted to be accepted. Some of you are looking up here on the people on the stage and saying, I want to be in that group. We just want to be included, and this is what God did. He said, I'm including you into the greatest family of all time, and it's going to be forever. In Christ, I'm included. In Christ, I'm changed. This wasn't just, okay, I've modified some behavior, but I've actually been given a new life. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God. I mean, isn't this good stuff? I almost expect you to start clapping as I'm sharing some of these. In Christ now, I'm empowered. You do not have to do this on your own. In fact, you cannot do this on your own. God says, I'm going to empower you to do this. I'm going to strengthen you so that you can be content in any and every situation. It's not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of power, and I'm giving it to you. Can we just, this is good stuff, God. I'm going to give you one more, though. In Christ, I am being developed. In Christ, I am being developed for the glory of God and for the sake of others, for the sake of those in your neighborhood, for the sake of those in your workplace, for the sake of those in your family. God is developing you. In this relationship with Jesus Christ, he's doing all of this work. He's doing this. And I look at this and I say, that is the gospel. That is the good news of the grace of God. Focus on this this week. Receive this this week. Work to understand this this week so that you can apply this in your life. Let me finish by saying this. Church family, don't give up. And I'm going to point with one finger to you and three at myself here. Don't give up. Don't give up. You may feel like you're in Tarsus for eight years, and it's like, I don't see where this is going. You may be quite discouraged by your past. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on faith in God. Know that he is developing that which he dreamed and designed. He said, I created you. I love you. I sent my son for you. I got great dreams for you. I've got great designs for you, and I'm going to develop you. So do not give up. Do not give up, church. I'm saying that to myself. I'm saying it to you. Don't give up. Because through his grace, God is building and developing our lives. Would you pray with me, please? <clears throat> God, as I look at this story, I can't help but look at my story and say, you took a self-righteous little punk who couldn't speak, who didn't know you, who didn't know your word, who knew nothing about leadership, and you've been developing me, and I give you praise. I didn't deserve any of that. That you would include me into your family, forgive my sins, and God, you're not doing that with just me, not with Barnabas and Paul, but you're doing that with my brothers and sisters. Some today need to believe you for the very first time and simply say, I need your grace. And if you say that today, 
God hears you and he says, I'm, I'm going to give you all of this. You couldn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. You couldn't earn it. I'm giving it to you. And for my brothers and sisters, God, I ask that you help us to understand, as Paul had to, that it's years in the making. That we can be patient with how you're working. God, you're, you're calling some of these people, you're calling some of us and say, come on. You've consumed enough, now contribute. Speak to us today. You're saying to some today, stop trying to contribute so much and consume more. Receive. Stop being so darn judgmental and understand that I've been gracious to you. God, you know every single one of us in this room and you know what we need and you know the stage we are in development. And I thank you. And I trust that what was said here today will go deep into our hearts and you will do the work. I imagine some people thought, whatever happened to that Saul guy? I heard he got changed, but I haven't seen him in 11 years. Oh, you were working. And you're working in me and you're working in us. God, we need your grace that you would build us up. Thank you for being good to us. We love you. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking some time today to look into God's Word with us. We hope you were both encouraged and challenged. Join us again next week as we continue our study.